Hi, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Coogee Voice. Today, we're talking with Leanne Bergen from Ramwick Girls and Ramwick Boys PNCs. Today, we talk about the role of PNCs, the importance of fair funding of our public schools, and upgrades to Ramwick Boys and Ramwick Girls that have been promised since 2015. You're listening to Coogee Voice. I think they've backpedalling on the idea of upgrading our schools. You know, clearly, if we're only getting $2.5 million each school from what was meant to be a major upgrade, I mean, would we be lucky to mow the lawns and paint the place for that money? That's not an upgrade. It's insulting. Our schools have been long overdue for upgrade for many, many years. Our kids, our students, our teachers, they deserve better than what they have. I, I just think it's a misconception. I think people have a preconceived idea of what our local public high schools are and it's so different once you're inside that community. Great parents, great teachers, they're getting the same curriculum taught. We don't have the bells and whistles but they do so well with what little they get. Leanne, welcome to Coogee Voice. How are you going today? Oh, thank you, Marjorie. Thanks so much for having me. Going well. Thank you, despite the weather. Despite the great weather for ducks. Oh, isn't it just? Now, before we get into talking about the important work you're doing in our local public schools, you're an Eastern Suburbs local. Yep. You're actually involved in a lot more than just PNCs. Tell us about your connection to the East. Oh, gosh. So I've lived here all my life and... Uh, Grandmother was born Bondi Junction. We lived around Bronte, Waverley, Bondi. Just haven't really moved. Clover went to Clover Valley Public School. Went to Holy Cross in Bondi Junction, which is now Redham. And yeah, just kind of stayed local. We're blessed, living in the best part of the world. I think. What do you love most about the eastern suburbs? Just the connection. Like I feel everywhere I go, I know people. So, you know, we've lived in Randwick for the last 20-odd years and it's been great. Like the kids went to primary school at Randwick Public. Uh, they're now at the local high school, public high schools. Um, they've played sports in the area. So we've met lots of people through like netball, football, swimming, surf club. We've just got great connections. If there was one thing you could change, what would that be? About our area, it's really dense. Parking is a nightmare. <laughs> I, I sometimes make contributions to the traffic committee <laughs> meetings at Ramwick Council, trying to push for like things like angled parking in a street where it's pretty busy, actually near your electorate office. <laughs> um, you know, it's it's great that businesses are doing well, but we've just got more and more people living in our area. So I think we need to be just a bit more clever about the way our amenity is managed. Parking and congestion, Leanne, oh, is the parking. number one thing that people say is their gripe. Yeah. They wear with this year. Well, just, you know, all the no right turns everywhere and people making rat runs all over the place. So Now, Leanne, you sit on both Ramwick Girls and Ramwick Boys PNCs. Yep. Firstly, why did you get involved? I was involved from primary school. So I don't know, I just saw the opportunity to get in and get amongst it and at Randwick Public School. I did fundraising, secretary. It was a great community and I just loved it. And once you get in and start doing it, it's kind of addictive, I think. You suffer volunteerism sometimes. So we just had fun raising money and making a difference. 
that sort of inspired me to keep going in the public high school where they actually need more help. Uh, we might have some new parents listening to these episodes. Quick, three reasons. Why should you get involved in your local PNC? It's fantastic. Actually, you get a lot back. You meet great parents who are like-minded. You get to have a really nice rapport with the executive at the school as well. Like You get to know the principals and the deputies and head teachers, and you're just doing something good, I think, for your student. You're showing your child that you're engaged in their learning and where they're learning. So tell us a little bit about Ramwick Girls and Ramwick Boys. I love both of the schools. <laughs> I'm, I'm super passionate about public education. I just, not lecture, but I kind of, uh, <laughs> well, maybe I do lecture. <laughs> um, I kind of don't believe we have, why we, I don't understand, I should say, why we have so many people going into independent private Catholic sectors when we've got great public schools. And I just want to push for more of our local people to go to our local public high schools because I, I believe public education matters. And yeah, that's just where I stand on it. I wholeheartedly agree. I think public education and education is one of the key and most fundamental gifts that we can give anyone. Yeah. Education is transformative. It is. And like public high schools, you know, you've got every cross-section of your community. You've got diversity. You've got, there's just so much there. I, I just think that if people gave it a go, they would see that actually the kids that are going to the schools are representative of those people who are living in our communities. Leanne, bit of a controversial topic around the eastern suburbs, co-education versus single sex. What are your thoughts? Um, I've got personal views. <laughs> they don't necessarily align at both of the schools I'm involved in. And look, I, I do understand for many parents of girls, they're quite comfortable to send their girls to an all-girls school. But there's just this groundswell, I think, of support, and that was evidence in the recent community survey that was done, where people in the feeder schools, so our primary schools that feed into the local public high schools, are kind of now expecting co-ed. And I think around all the consent education messaging, it's kind of, it, it, it's going to happen. Private schools are doing this. They're transitioning to co-ed because society isn't single sex. Going on to university, it won't be single sex. Going into the workforce won't be single sex. So I do see that there are arguments for both sides. Personally, I can see that Rose Bay Secondary College is bursting at the seams and there is a push to get something else in our area. It is. So Rose Bay College is at 120%. What I find, uh, just to sort of draw on what you were just talking about, is how private schools and independent schools are really transitioning towards co-education for me, it would be great to see the state leading in this, not private sector. Yeah. Oh, look, I agree wholeheartedly. I don't know what the future is for single-sex schools. To me, it, it doesn't sit that comfortably. But having said that, I'm really happy with the two schools that my children are at. So my daughter absolutely thrives at Ramwick Girls School. Fantastic teachers, fantastic staff there. It's amazing. And similarly at the boys' school. You know, Jack just loves it. So really happy, but, you know, in a perfect world, could there be an opportunity to go co-ed, build a brand new high school? Both, both schools are seriously lacking in funding for infrastructure upgrades. We know that. Now, you started a petition that I sponsored about fair funding for public schools. 
Tell us about this. Why did you start it? Since about 2015, we've been promised upgrades. You know, they've been dangled at state elections and nothing's ever happened. We've, I think we've been on the school infrastructure website as in planning phase for maybe five years, something like that. Just this inertia. And, um, and then when we heard, you know, what was going to be a big upgrade, like, you know, a, a very significant upgrade to both schools, ended up with something like $5 million per school. I was outraged. It's actually $5 million divided by two. Oh, it's divided <laughs> by two. That's right. I mean, it was just outrageous. I, anyway, I just thought, right, what can I do? What can I do? So, you know, a petition, you know, we, we'd like to go harder actually on this than we've done. The petition was just to start, I guess, to see how it all works, like how we do this. And, you know, we didn't get as much support on that because I think the timing and also Omicron hit and people were focused on ventilation in schools. So where we were hoping to get like a bit more broader support around public education funding, we may need to go again and go more specifically, I think. When we talk about fair funding for public schools, we're talking about fully funding public schools up to the Gonski recommendation, which doesn't happen in New South Wales. We're talking about fair funding for infrastructure upgrades and looking at the money that public schools get versus independent schools. In our area, where have you seen this inequality in funding be evident Oh, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. I mean, we've got schools that are getting public funding and they're making massive property expansions. Like one school's taking over, you know, almost a whole suburb. We're trying desperately to get laptops for students, you know, and yet we're seeing orchestra pits being built. And, you know, we know of schools with hyperbaric chambers for sport recovery. I mean, we just don't have anything like that. We're, we're trying to scrape together just bare maintenance upgrades. And so we just look around at these luxurious schools that have got great technology and our kids are struggling. In scraping together funds, one of the things that PNCs do is apply for grants. And they're often applying for grants for things which most people would assume the New South Wales government and schools infrastructure would be funding. Have you applied for any grants for such projects? Yeah, we've applied for a lot. And even, you know, my predecessor had also applied for grants. We've had grants for technology in classrooms. You know, our schools need to move with technology. So funding for Arduino, STEM, sort of robotic coding, those sorts of um, things that we don't really get in our public high schools anyway, without some PNC help basketball courts, you know, these are just basic things, you know, for kids to have an outlet for sport. Some of these things are done in conjunction with the school funding, but PNCs do go in and raise money. Recently, we had to do a grant for some smart boards to get that whiteboard, we'll move away from that whiteboard technology into something more 21st century. Funding for outdoor seating, because there's not enough seating for, for people to sit at. Just some, what I would consider quite basic things. One of the frustrating things as well is we haven't been able to do a lot in the last few years because of all the uncertainty of the upgrade. So, you know, it's become quite frustrating in that we don't have maintenance, we don't have plans to do any new things. It's hard to fundraise for something big like, you know, infrastructure because we don't know what's going to happen with upgrades. Do we build something and then it gets knocked down? Do we implement something and then, oh, well, the plans have changed because we've now got an upgrade? 
there's just been uncertainty around it. So it's it's been challenging. But yeah, we're looking for grants all the time, like even things to beautify the school. You know, there's a grant at the moment that I'm going to hopefully try and get an Indigenous mural at the boys' school. We've just recently done the active panels. Um, they'll be coming in. We've done the outdoor seating at the girls' school. They've done accessible library doors, things like that. I know in the primary school we were funding for additional literary resources and numeracy resources. These things should just be the responsibility of a state government. So there was um, also an instance where we had children in the school who were in wheelchairs and we did not have a wheelchair accessible hall. So basically those students couldn't get to the stage. So, you know, we were going to pursue a grant basically in order to get a lift for students in wheelchairs to get onto the stage. Thankfully, the school was able to um, get that implemented. But by the time it was built, I'm pretty sure those students had left, which is really sad. So we have schools that are not fit for purpose. We're an inclusive school. We need to have disability access in all schools. I find that outrageous that we don't have it. It is absolutely outrageous. They can't get to parts of the library, just to add. So at the boys' school, the way it's set up, you know, there is no lift. So they can only access the ground floor of the library currently. And classrooms that are upstairs on the first level, there's no access. One of the other things that has been spoken about a lot, particularly over the last two years in light of COVID, and the implications on young people is around young people, school-aged children's access to counsellors and the excessive wait times for people to see counsellors. We're not some public schools in our area. Those waits are three, four months. I'm interested to know your thoughts on that. Yeah, I uh, I did actually raise this at some school and I think they have employed staff to take on that counselling role. So I think that there is now dedicated staff at both schools for that. So I'm, I don't know of the waiting list at the moment. Leanne, we've had the Gallup inquiry come down, which has given some pretty interesting information around why teachers are leaving. Last year, we saw teachers all across our state, tens of thousands of them, striking and showing industrial action. I'm interested to know your thoughts on this, on teachers, and how do we improve that for our kids? Well, any inquiry that comes up with recommendations, I believe the government should listen and implement those changes. If teachers do need less time in the classroom, like just even if it's an hour or two to prepare for lessons, then they should be given that. They should be recognised for the job that they're doing. I, I love listening to Parsi Salberg. He talks quite beautifully about teachers and the value that teachers have in the country that he's from. It's just quite different. I think that we need to really value our teachers. They are guiding our children through their most formative years, you know. To not respect that, to not give them what they need is really unfair. If there were three things you could change about public education in New South Wales overnight, what would they be? There would be no public funding of private schools, and I mean private, Catholic, independent. There would be none. Public funding goes to public schools, first and foremost. I think that teacher resourcing needs to be looked at as well, and I think fit for purpose. Our schools, our public schools, and I'll call out our high schools in particular because that's where my concern is at the moment, 
they need to be fit for purpose. And currently they're not. They've been neglected. They've been neglected to a point where parents are opting to go into the private system. Leanne, I'm interested to know, not only on PNC, as a leader in our community, you have kids in high school. Mark Latham has a bill in the Upper House of New South Wales, the Religious Freedoms Bill, which is really about sex education. There's been a lot of conversations around this. We'll talk firstly about this. What are your thoughts on this bill? Uh, I think it's an opportunity to ostracise the LGBTQI community. I don't support that one bit. My next question is there's been a lot of conversation around consent education in schools. As a parent, what are your thoughts on changing the way in which consent is educated in our school system? Yeah, so interesting. Um, I did listen into a couple of sessions last year or the year before run through UNSW and one other I can't recall. We really need to have explicit consent education provided by professionals. So people who are in that profession to give sex education. I I think that, that there's a real need for that in schools. And what is the role of a school versus family? It can be difficult for families. You know, what if there are some religious mores around or taboos, you know, about speaking of sex. People need to know these things. So it might be an uncomfortable conversation in some families. So I think that a school really should step in or the department should step in and give those children that education. People can opt out. Like if there is a really strong objection to learning about consent, maybe parents could opt out. But I I just think it's a responsibility to educate children. And if they're in single-sex schools, even more so, because they're not getting that interaction. A topic on most parents' lips at different points in time in the formative years of their kids is, where is your child going to school? And it can be quite a controversial conversation in some parts of our community. What are your thoughts on why do not more parents choose to send their kids to public schools and our public schools in particular. And high schools in particular. So being at Ramwick Public School, I I was just floored when Jack was one of, I think it was 10% of his cohort that actually went to the local public high school. I nearly fell over. I didn't realise that everyone would be going outside of the public system because we'd had such a great experience at our public primary school. I I just think it's a misconception. I think people have a preconceived idea of what our local public high schools are, and it's so different once you're inside that community. It's a they're both beautiful schools. Ramwick boys, Ramwick girls, they're they're beautiful schools with a great community, great parents, great teachers. They're getting the same curriculum taught. We don't have the bells and whistles, definitely, but they do so well with what little they get at those schools. And I just think if more and more people came into the schools, we'd have more fundraising, we'd have more attention. I think there would be an expectation that the schools would kind of lift in the community and be more attractive to parents. I don't know. Some of it also is around the co-ed piece. It's, It's a really, it's a tricky one, but it does disturb me that so many people, like I think in the state, more people tend to go to their public schools. But in our area, in the eastern suburbs, that's just completely not the case. It's the flip. 
less people go to our public high schools. So what do you see is the preconceived idea about our public schools? People think the schools are rough. (laughs) You know, they just, I don't know, people comment on the uniform at the girls' school. They comment on that it's rough at the boys' school. I sent my my son and my daughter to these schools. I believe in public education, but I'm not going to send them to a school that has completely no discipline or, you know, like there's fighting in the playgrounds. It just, it doesn't happen. I'd be disingenuous if I said, you know, maybe it's never happened, but these schools are just regular people, regular parents, regular teachers. You know, there's nothing scary about our high schools. I think any parent would be disingenuous to say that no (laughs) fights happen at any school at any point in time, regardless of whether they're public, private independent, religious, non-religious. Yeah, and same with, you know, like vaping or, you know, some of the issues that we're seeing now in schools. Like it happens everywhere. My my niece and my nephews, they've gone to local Catholic schools and, you know, they've told me that they've had the same issues coming up at their schools. There's been a fair bit of conversation around the way in which our schools operate, schools infrastructure operates, Ramwick Girls, Ramwick Boys are set for major upgrades. You identified these were announced quite a few years ago. We haven't seen a single cent. What's been your experience of schools, infrastructure, and the process of even getting upgrades on the table, rolling, knowing what's going to happen? Yeah, it's frustrating. You know, it was just, it was at the election time in 2015 that, you know, upgrades were sort of dangled in front of us. And, you know, ever since then, going onto the school's infrastructure website, trying to find information about where the project is at has been, like, there's just no information. And you write to school's infrastructure and do not get a response. So I've written a couple of times from the website for contact form and have no response. I've written just to the email address that's provided and have had no response. We were invited to have a parent representative on the group that was discussing the upgrades, that panel that included, you know, school exec and um, and a parent rep, were not able to disclose any information at our PNC meetings. So it, just this secrecy, this lack of transparency, we've gone from you know sixty million dollar project to five million between two schools, and no one can explain anything, and no one can tell us really anything. It, I, I just find that objectionable. Why do you think the government? is choosing to operate with such opaqueness and lack of transparency? Yeah, look, I really don't know. I think they've backpedaled on the idea of upgrading our schools. You know, clearly, if we're only getting $2.5 million each school from what was meant to be a major upgrade, I mean, would we be lucky to mow the lawns and paint the place for that money? That's not an upgrade. It's insulting, actually. And that's what prompted me to do the e-petition. It is all insulting. I find it insulting. Our schools have been long overdue for upgrade for many, many years. They're very old style. They've just not been upgraded. Our kids, our students, our teachers, they deserve better than what they have. Here, here. Mm. Now, Leanne, before I let you go, there are three very tough questions we ask all of our guests that come on to Coogee Voice. You must declare the best beach in the eastern suburbs, where sells the best coffee, and where you can get the best burger 
go. Oh my God, that's a hard one. I have to say Clovelly Beach, uh, being involved at Clovelly Surf Club, love Clovelly. And for the best coffee, well, my preference is all press. So I'm going to go Cali Press and that's at Koji or Randwick. And best burger. Wow. I make my own and the best risol come from, <laughs> comes from Daryl's Meats on Frenchman's Road. <laughs> Daryl's Meat, this is the first time you're getting a <laughs> shout out. We'll make sure you tag you in all of your posts. <laughs> Leanne, if people would like to get involved in the campaign around fair funding, what can they do? Well, I think we need to start a new one. I think we're going to start to have placards around our schools so that we can you know, alert motorists, even people that are living in our community, that we need some support. Like, we just need the support. So... I think there will be plans to come, but they can always contact us on our Facebook pages, Ramwick Girls High School PNC and Ramwick Boys High School PNC. And, you know, knowing that there's elections coming up, state and federal, federal first, we need to make this an election campaign issue. So, you know, please get out there, contact your local members. If you're not happy with the state of our schools, the state of our school funding, the, you know, teacher conditions, please speak up. Leanne, thank you so much for joining us on Could You Voice. Absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me. What an interesting conversation. Now, if you'd like to join the campaign for fair funding for our public schools, head to my website, marjorieoneal.com.au, and join the campaign. You've been listening to Could You Voice. Mm-hmm.